Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot, episode titled The Mystery of the Blue Train, where Poirot investigates the brutal murder of American heiress and theft of a fabulous ruby on the blue train from Calais to Nice. This will be a four-part series, so sit back and relax. And I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. Mystery of the Blue Train by Agatha Christie, dramatized by Michael Bakewell, with Janet Moore as Catherine Gray and Robert Beatty as Rufus Van Alden. It's all well. All is well, Boris Ivanovich. I do not think anyone followed me from the embassy. I changed taxis at the Place de la Concorde and in Saint-Germain-des-Prés. I came the last part of the way on foot. There are two men on the pavement opposite. I was so certain... They were here before you came. But they are watching this house. Possibly. But if that is the what case... What of it? Even if they know it will not be you they follow from here. That is true. I suppose the American can take care of himself. If he's half the man he's supposed to be, he ought to be able to cope with creatures like those two. There's something else. What? Twice this evening a man has passed along this street. A man with white hair. He didn't speak to them, but I'm sure... They're working for him? Something of the kind. You're sure the package is safe? It has not been tampered with. There has been much talk. Far too much talk. It is safe. What are you doing? Getting the package. From the fireplace. An ingenious hiding place. It was covered up with coal and scraps of kindling. They have searched the apartment twice. They even ripped open the mattress. But no one thought to look here. Did you open the package? No. But you know what it contains? I have some idea. Perhaps it is as well. There are women who would go mad over such things. I do not share that madness. But they are very beautiful. The rubies of Catherine the Great. And in the center of the necklace, the heart of fire. Men have died for that stone, and most of its owners have come to violent ends. Did you know? I have heard something of the sort. It formed part of the crown jewels of the Romanovs and was found sewn into the dress of one of the daughters of the Tsar after her execution at Ekaterinburg. And now, who will be the next victim of the heart of fire? Do your people at the embassy know what you're doing? You are being well paid to keep your mouth shut. Ask no questions. The American? What is the time? A quarter to midnight. Then it is him. Go and let him in. There has been too much talk. It was a mistake to haggle so long over the price. In here, monsieur. Thank you. Mr. Kreslin. I am he. I must apologize for the unconventionality of the rendezvous. I've been in stranger places. You have the money? In I notes? have the money. The package is there on the table. Thank you. Could you uh, switch that lamp on, mademoiselle? 
Yes, monsieur? You need have no fears as to their authenticity. In matters of this kind, I trust no one, Monsieur Krasny. But I can see that they are the genuine article. Here's your money. You will permit me to count them. Of course. But I do have the reputation of being scrupulously honest in all my business things. All right? Thank you, monsieur. Everything is correct. Then I'll bid you good night. Monsieur Krasny? Mademoiselle? Monsieur? I wonder if he will ever get back to his hotel. Yeah, I wonder. The men are no longer there. But surely a man with so much money would never be so stupid. And talking of money... You will get your share. Come here, quickly. What is it? The man with white hair. He's going down the street now. I suspect that our American has run into a little difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> There's a man come to see you, Father. He would not give his name. What kind of man? His face is covered by a velvet mask. Then show him in at once, my dear, and leave us alone. Yes, Father. Come in, Monsieur. Good night, Monsieur Lamarquis. And never fear, there will be no hitch in my arrangements. Zia, you can come back now. <laughs> Well, Zia, what did you hear? It is annoying that one cannot see through a keyhole and hear through one at the same time. What did he want? To tell me that the attempt on the American had failed. The American who was going to buy the heart of fire. It was foolish even to consider it. The direct attack rarely succeeds. <laughs> but what is that to a man like the Marquis? The men he hires to do his dirty work for him are expendable. What will he do now, do you think? He has another plan. He would not confide the details to me, but he is certain that it will not fail. And knowing him as I do, he is probably right. What did you think of him? I think his long white hair is probably a wig. Ah, anything else? I think it is a very rare thing to find a well-connected Englishman who speaks French so impeccably. An Englishman? So that is what you think. Ah. Two posts this morning, Miss Gray. <laughs> you are popular. Thank you. <laughs> Looks like it's going to keep sunny. Yes, doesn't it? Oh, Goodbye. Good morning, Dr. Harrison. Good morning, Miss Gray. Oh, Dr. Harrison, good morning. Yeah, I see you've got some posts. Good news, I hope. I hope so. <laughs> my dear Miss Gray, my husband and I wish to express our thanks to you for your services to my poor cousin Emma. Her death has been a great blow to us. Though we were, of course, aware that her mind had been failing for some time past. I understand that her latter testamentary dispositions have been of a most peculiar character. Good Lord. And they would not, of course, hold good in any court of law. I see. We shall be pleased to recommend you most highly for a similar post and hope that you will accept a small present. It's monstrous. Mm -hmm. It's much what we expected. Oh, won't you come in? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Old Emma Garfield's intellect was as good as yours or mine. Her cousins wouldn't have a leg to stand on if they took it to court and they know it. Don't get fancying. It's your duty to hand over the cash or any tomfoolery of conscientious scruples. I'm afraid it hasn't occurred to me to have scruples. 
The Attleboroughs were distant relations of Mrs. Garfield's husband, and they never came near her or took any notice of her in her lifetime. You've had a hard life of it here in St. Mary Mead these last ten years. You are fully entitled to enjoy the old lady's savings, such as they were. Such as they were, Doctor. You'd better take a look at this. It came by first post. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good Lord! Hmm? It's just not possible. She was one of the original shareholders in Mortals. Oh. Forty years ago, she must have had an income of eight or ten thousand a year. And she has never, I'm sure, spent more than four hundred. She was always terribly careful about money. And all the time, the income has accumulated at compound interest. Oh. My dear, you... You're going to be a very wealthy woman. Yes, I am. Well, you mustn't worry yourself about that woman's odious letter. I shan't. But there's nothing odious about it. Under the circumstances, I think it's quite a natural thing to do. I have the gravest suspicion of you sometimes. <laughs> really? Why? The things you find perfectly natural. <laughs> <laughs> have you given any thought as to uh, what you're going to do? Hmm? No, but I think I want to travel. I've never seen much of the world, you know. Ah, shouldn't think you have. It must have been an awful life for you, cooped up here all this time. Oh, I don't know. It gave me a lot of freedom. I should have thought it was the last thing it would have given you. Oh, I don't mean in the physical sense, no. No, no I've always had a feeling of mental freedom. But all the same, I feel I want to change. I want to be in the midst of exciting things. Even if I'm only a looker-on, things don't happen in Mary Mead. They certainly don't. I shall go to London first. Mm -hmm. I have to go to the solicitors anyway. I shall stay at a first-class hotel. I've always fancied the Savoy. <laughs> I shall get some really good clothes, oh. and then I shall go abroad. I think you're being very wise, yes, mind you. Don't know what the village will do without you. Your room is 504, Miss Gray. I'll get a porter to take your luggage. Thank you. Ah, pleased to see you back again, Mr. Van Alden. Everything all right? Yes, sir. Major Knighton is upstairs in your suite now. Thank you. Well, there they are, Knighton. What do you think? I can't believe it. Are they real? Real? You see, that ruby in the center, it's the largest in the world. The heart of fire. It's perfect. Not a flaw in it. It must be worth a fortune. And you've been carrying the rubies round in your pocket. Safest way to carry them. Mind you, I did have a bit of trouble just after I got hold of them. Two guys set on me on a street corner. Somebody must have given them a tip-off. Luckily, I had my pistol ready. <laughs> There weren't any trouble. Now, I know why your daughter sounded so concerned when she telephoned. Ruthie? She doesn't know anything about them. They're meant to be a surprise. Why did she ring? She said she had to see you urgently, that was all. She wanted to know when you'd be back. Then I'd better get over to Curzon Street straight away. Uh, order a cab for me, would you, Knight? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, what do I say to Colton's people if they ring? They've been trying to get in touch with you. Tell them to go to hell. Very well, I will. Dad! When did you get back? <laughs> a couple of hours ago. Oh, Ruthie, it's mm. good to see you. Knighton said you wanted to see me, so I came straight over. I've been telephoning him all day to try to get hold of you, but he couldn't say for sure when you were expected back. He did his best to be helpful. Yeah, he's a good man. I don't know what I'd do without him now. Mm. Where did you find him? 
Well, he, uh, I met him purely by chance in Lausanne. He was... When did I meet him? Oh, a couple of months ago, I suppose. Uh, he, he'd been in the army, and he was an officer. He was, he was wounded. He, he still got a bit of a limp, as a matter of fact. He was looking for something to do, and <laughs> you should have seen his face when I offered him a job as my secretary. <laughs> but uh, what was it you wanted to see me about, Ruthie? What's the trouble? It's Derek. Oh. What about him now? I've scarcely seen him these last months. Not that that's anything unusual. But now, I've found out that he's been seen going around with another woman. What woman? Do you know? It seems that everybody knows. Mirelle. Mirelle? The dancer? He goes about everywhere with her. Good God. I was down at Leckenbury last week. I spoke to Lord Leckenbury. He was awfully sweet to me. Sympathized entirely. He said he'd give Derek a good talking to. Yeah, I can guess what that will achieve. Precisely nothing. The old boy's got one foot in the grave already, and anything he says isn't going to cut much ice with Derek. Can't you do anything, Dad? Well, I might. Several things I might do, but there's only one that'll do any real good. Cut your losses and start afresh. You mean I should divorce him? He's no good, Ruth. You know that. Mind you, I, I blame myself for ever letting you marry him, but you were kind of set on getting an English title, and... He seemed in earnest about turning over a new leaf, and, well, I'd crossed you before. Yes, you did. Well, I guess I was too soft-hearted to do it a second time. I can't tell you how I wish I had, though. Derek Kettering only married you for your money, Ruth. That's all there is to it. Get rid of him. Well, suppose he doesn't consent. You mean he'll fight the case? Any solicitor will tell you he hasn't a chance. You don't think... I mean, out of sheer spite against me, he might, well, try to make it awkward. But he'd have to have something to go on. Yeah. I suppose he would. There's something worrying you, isn't there? What is it? Nothing. Nothing at all. Is it the publicity? Now, look, you leave it all to me. I'll put the whole thing through so smoothly there'll be no fuss at all. Very well, Dad. If you really think it's the best thing to be done. I certainly do. Now, let's forget all about it. I've bought you a present from Paris. Just take a look at this. But they're wonderful. <laughs> you like them, Ruthie? I've never seen anything like them. How did you get hold of them? That's my secret. They had to be bought privately, of course. Uh, they're they're uh, quite famous in their way. That big stone in the middle is called the Heart of Fire. Heart of Fire? Yep. Men have killed for that stone, Ruthie. It has a terrible history, but somehow in your hand it seems to lose all its evil. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> They're fabulous. Oh, I'm glad you like them, Ruthie. Oh. You're all I have, you know. Oh, Dad. You will stay to dinner. No, 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 I've got a good deal to attend to. I'll see you tomorrow after I've had a word with the solicitors. Very well. Oh, I suppose this business won't keep me from going to the Riviera. Riviera? When are you off? The 14th. Ah, that'll be fine. These things take a long time to mature. But, uh... I wouldn't take those rubies abroad with you if I were you. 
Leave them at the bank. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> we don't have you robbed and murdered for the heart of fire, do we? <laughs> Mr. Kettering is here, Mr. Van Alden. Is he now? Then uh, ask him to come in, will you, Knighton? And I don't want to be disturbed. Very well. Come in, Mr. Kettering. Good morning, sir. You're very anxious to see me, I gather. Sit down. Not seen you for a long time. <clears throat> about um, two years, I should say. Look, I'm not going to beat about the bush. I've advised Ruth to file a petition for divorce. That sounds rather drastic. You don't mind if I smoke? Go right ahead. Thank you. And, uh... What does Ruth say? She proposes to take my advice. Does she really? Is that all you've got to say? I think you know that she's, uh... She's making a great mistake. From your point of view, she doubtless is. Oh, come now, don't let's be uh, personal. I really wasn't thinking of myself at the moment. I was thinking of Ruth. Oh, yes. You know, my poor old governor can't possibly last much longer... All the doctors say so. Ruth had better give it a couple more years. Then I shall be Lord Leckenbury, and she can be Chatelaine of Leckenbury. Which is what she married me for. I'm serious, young man. Oh, so am I. I'm in very low water financially, and it will put me in a nasty hole if Ruth divorces me. And after all, if she stood it for ten years, why not stand it a little longer? It's a pity Ruth shouldn't get what she married me for. You didn't speak so cynically ten years ago. Perhaps not. <sighs> Ruth was very beautiful, you know. Oh, I had fine ideas. Turning over a new leaf, settling down and living up to the highest traditions of English home life with a beautiful wife who loved me. But you don't believe that, I suppose. I have no doubt that you married Ruth for her money. And that she married me for love. Certainly. I believed that at the time. You've always been known as a hard man. But Ruth is far harder than you are. You, at any rate, love one person better than yourself. Ruth never has and never will. Now, that's enough. I asked you here so I could tell you what I intend to do. My daughter has got to have some happiness. And remember this, I'm behind her. And exactly what do you mean by that? I mean that you had better not try to defend the case. Is that a threat? You can take it any way you please. And supposing, uh, just for argument's sake, that I did defend the case? You haven't a leg to stand on. Your conduct's been the talk of London. Ah. Ruth has been kicking up a row over Mirelle, I suppose. <sighs> Very foolish of her. I don't interfere with her friends. What do you mean? Well, I see you don't know everything. <clears throat> you are perhaps naturally prejudiced. Oh, giving advice is not much in my line. But in this case, I should advise perfect frankness between father and daughter. Oh, oh. oh. Uh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't looking where I was going. I was dreaming. It was uh, my fault entirely. Uh, um. Good day. What did he mean, Ruth? About perfect frankness between father and daughter. I don't know, Dad. How should I? Of course you know. He said something else about he having his friends and not interfering with yours. What did he mean by that? I don't know what he meant. I have lots of friends. You do know, Ruth. I'll put it to you plainer. 
Who is the man? What man? The man. That's what Derek was driving at. Oh, come on, Ruthie, you can tell me. Why, even that time in Paris, don't you remember... What? Of course, that's who it is. Ruth, have you been seeing that scoundrel again? You mean the Comte de la Roche? The Comte de la Roche. I told you at the time he was just a common swindler. He'd entangled you pretty deeply where I got you out of his clutches. Yes, you did. And I married Derek Kettering. It was what you wanted. Oh, if that's what you want to think. And now you've been seeing Delaroche again. He's been here today, hasn't he? How do you know? I saw him as I was walking up the street. But I just couldn't place him for a moment. And after all, I told you... I want to tell you one thing, Dad. You are very wrong about Armand. Oh, so it's Armand now, is it? Oh, I know there were several regrettable incidents in his youth. He has told me about them. But he still cares for me very deeply. It broke his heart when you forced us to part in Paris. And I'll do the same again if I have to. Oh, Dad! That a daughter of mine could be such a fool. The man's nothing but a cheap little crook. All he wants is your money. Just fancy that. Just fancy what, Mother? Catherine Gray being left a fortune. It's in the mail. Look. (sighs) Well, so what? Cheese-pairing old women are always dying in villages and leaving fortunes to their humble companions. But this humble companion happens to be my very own cousin, one of the Worcestershire Greys, the Edgeworth lot. I see. And I was wondering... What there was in it for us. Lennox. I was merely thinking it would be very nice if I wrote to dear Catherine, suggesting she should come out to the Riviera. Naturally, she's quite out of touch with society. Naturally. It would be nicer for her to be launched by one of her own people. How much do you think you could get her to cough up? Yes, we should have to come to some financial arrangement, of course. Oh, it was one thing and another, ever since your poor dear father died. And ever since you married Chubby. He's an expensive luxury, if you like. Darling, you have such a coarse way of putting things. I shall write to dear Catherine at once and remind her of the dear old days at Edgeworth. Oh, mother. And, uh... That concludes all the formalities, I think, Miss Gray. Uh, Mrs. Garfield was very precise in her instructions. Thank you, Mr. Scattergood. And uh, what do you advise me to do about the letter from Mrs. Attleborough? Oh, I should simply forget all about it. These people have no claim of any kind upon the estate and no court would uphold them. Mm, I thought as much. But just the same, I should like a certain sum to go to these people. Yes, but Miss Gray... They were Mrs. Garfield's only relatives, and it seems to me unfair that they should be cut off with nothing. Very well, if that is what you wish, I will see to it. But you would do well to be on your guard, Miss Gray. News of an unexpected fortune spreads fast, and the world is full of sponges. (laughs) You've no need to warn me of that, Mr. Scattergood. Only yesterday I had a letter from a long-forgotten cousin inviting me out to her villa on the Riviera. Uh, Yes, I'm sure that you will treat that with the contempt it deserves. On the contrary, I am going to accept. She wants to see what she can get out of me, and I want to spend a few weeks in the Mediterranean villa in smart society. There'll be profit on both sides. It will bring a little colour into my life. It's it's no good talking of black pearls to me, Mirelle. At the present moment, as far as I'm concerned, the fat is well and truly in the fire. Oh, what has happened? My esteemed father-in-law is arranging for Ruth to divorce me. Oh, how stupid. Why should she want to divorce you? (laughs) 
Mainly because of you, my darling. That is foolish. Very foolish. What are you going to do? My dear girl, what can I do? On the one side, the man with unlimited money. On the other, the man with unlimited debts. There is no question as to who will come out on top. Oh, they are extraordinary, these Americans. It is not as though your wife were fond of you. So, what are we going to do about it? The creditors will come down on me like wolves on the fold. We are not going to do anything about it. I am very fond of you, mon ami. You are very charming, but it just isn't practical. You're a rich man's luxury. Is that what you mean? Oh, if you like to put it that way. I am fond of you, Derek, but I am not made to be poor. It is quite simple. Mm -hmm. You must make it up with your wife. <laughs> I'm afraid that's not going to be actually in the sphere of practical politics. I don't understand. Van Alden has fixed his mind on a divorce for his daughter, and a divorce is what she's going to get. Oh, I have heard of him. A few days ago in Paris, he bought the most wonderful ruby in the world, the Art of Fire. Mm. The ruby of Catherine the Great should not belong to a stupid little creature like your wife. It should belong to me. On my neck, a jewel like the Art of Fire would find its true setting. This uh, wife of yours, she is his only child? Yes. Then when he dies, she will inherit all his money. She will be a rich woman. She is a rich woman already. He settled a couple of millions on her at her marriage. Oh, but that is a fortune. And if she were suddenly to die, would all that money come to you? As things stand at present, it would. As far as I know, she's not made a will. Oh, if she were to die, what a solution that would be. <laughs> I adore your simple, practical mind, Mirelle. But I think the chances are pretty slim. My wife is an extremely healthy person. But, my darling, there are such things as accidents. And you know that, Ruby? The art of fire is supposed to carry an ancient curse. What if the curse were to fall upon your wife? I am not superstitious. But such things do happen. Good morning, sir. What can I do for you? I want a ticket for Nice. Uh, for what date, sir? Mm -hmm. The 14th. I want to travel on the blue train. Oh, that may not be so easy, sir. The blue train is always booked up well in advance. See if there is a berth left. Yes, madam. Can I help you? I want to go to Nice on the 14th. Nice, yes, madam. Which is the best train? Well, of course, there is the blue train, the train blue. Uh, you avoid the customs business at Calais and you don't have to change at Paris. Uh, the carriage goes straight through, but I don't know whether they still have a berth. I'm just checking for this gentleman. So we meet again. Oh. You're the lady I nearly knocked down in the Savoy. Oh, I don't think it was as serious as all that. There are three berths left. Excellent. Uh, shall I book a berth for you, madam? Uh, oh, oh, yes, yes, of course. The name is Gray, Catherine Gray. What name, sir? Uh, put it down, the name of my man, Pavitt. I'll send him round to collect them. Uh, good day. There's a gentleman called to see you, Mr. Kettering. Major Knighton. Knighton? What the devil can he want? Oh, very well, Pavitt. Show him in. Oh, and take this cheque round to Cook's in Piccadilly. They'll have some tickets booked for me in your name. Very good, sir. Major Knighton, sir. Uh, come along in, Knighton. Very good of you to look me up. Drink? No, thank you. Well, uh, uh, take a seat. Oh, Thank you. 
And uh, what does my esteemed father-in-law want with me now? You have come on his business, I take it. I have, yes. I only wish you could have chosen someone else. Is it as bad as that? I'm quite thick-skinned, I can assure you. Uh, the matter is simply this. As you know, your wife, uh, Mrs Kettering, is about to file a petition for divorce. If the case goes undefended, you will receive £100,000 on the day that the decree is made absolute. In the event of your refusing this proposition, Mr Van Alden wished me to tell you in plain words that he proposes to break you. Supposing I were to tell you that for 200000 I would do what he wanted, what then? I would take your message back to Mr Van Alden. Is that your answer? No. Uh, funnily enough, it is not. You can go back to my father-in-law and tell him to take himself and his bribes to hell. Is that clear? Oh, perfectly. Will you allow me to say, Mr Kettering, that I am glad you have answered as you have? Hmm. A good day, Major Knighton. Goodbye. And that is that. Rose! Rose! Dad! I didn't expect to see you here. <laughs> Gave you quite a surprise, eh? Come on, I'll walk you to the train. I just came to take a last look at you since I'm not going to see you for some time. Oh, it isn't really very long. And you are coming out next month. Yeah, that's so. But you'd better be getting on board this train of yours. Uh, do you know where your seat is? Well, Mason was going to find it for Mrs. me. Mrs. Kittery! Uh, oh, Mrs. Kittery! There she is. Are you coming in? Just for a minute. <laughs> uh, put your dressing case under your seat, Mrs. Kittering, in case you should need it. Shall I take the rugs? Or will you require me? No. No, I shan't need you. Thank you, Mason. you better go and find your own seat now. Yes, madam. Oh, uh, by the way, I thought you might like a few magazines to read on the journey. Thank you, Dad. Oh, I'll put them on the table here, shall I? They won't be in your way, will they, madam? Of course not. Uh-oh. I'd better be clearing out of here. Bye-bye, Ruthie. <laughs> Goodbye, Dad. And don't you worry about the other business. I'll attend to everything. Have a good time. Dad! Yeah, what is it? Oh, nothing. Till next month. Bye. Uh, are you all right? Can I help at all? No. no I'm perfectly all right. Just a speck of dust in my eye, that's all. <laughs> One place for luncheon? If you'll be so kind as to share a table with this lady. Of course. Oh, this is quite a coincidence. It is odd the way things happen. Uh, to begin with, soup, madame. Ah. Coffee, madame. Thank you. Uh, it will be a relief to get into the sunshine. I'm sure it will be a wonderful feeling. And you, madame. Thank you. Do you know the Riviera well? No, this is my first visit. Fancy that. You go away every year, I expect. Practically. 
January and February in London are horrible. I wouldn't know. I have always lived in the country. They're not very inspiring months there either. Mostly mud. <laughs> Cigarette? No, thanks. You don't mind if I smoke? No, not at all. What made you suddenly decide to travel? Money. <laughs> For years I have been a paid companion with just enough money of my own to buy myself strong country shoes. <laughs> now I have been left what seems to me to be a fortune. Though I dare say it would not seem so much to you. Now I wonder why you said that. <laughs> I really don't know. I suppose one forms impressions without thinking of it. I wish you would tell me what other impressions you have formed about me. But I scarcely... Oh, please, don't be so conventional. I want to know. You were so concerned about me when we left Victoria. What were you thinking? I will tell you if you like. But you must not think me impertinent. I thought that you were in great distress of mind. And you were right. I am in terrible trouble. I... Uh, I should like to tell you something about it, if I may. I've always been told I'm a sympathetic listener. Please tell me. But not here. Come to my compartment. Here we are. Do come in. Thank you. Oh, Mason. I want to talk to this lady in private. You won't mind if I close the door between us? Of course not, madam. Please, sit down. Oh. I am in trouble, and I don't know what to do. There is a man I am fond of, very fond indeed. We cared for each other when we were young, and we were thrust apart most brutally and unjustly. Now we have come together again. I see. I am going to meet him now. I dare say you will think it is all wrong, but you don't know the circumstances. My husband is impossible. He has treated me disgracefully. Yes. Well, what I feel so badly about is this. I have deceived my father. You saw him at Victoria today. He wishes me to divorce my husband, and of course he has no idea that I'm going to meet this other man. He would think it extraordinarily foolish. Well, don't you think it is? I don't know. I really don't know. Ever since we left Victoria, I have had a horrible feeling of something. Something that is coming to me very soon. Something that I can't escape. <laughs> Oh, you must think that I am mad talking to you like this. But I tell you, I know something terrible is going to happen. Oh. Uh, you must try to pull yourself together. You could send your father a wire when the train gets to Paris, and he would come to you at once. Yes, I could do that. It is queer, but I never knew until today how terribly fond of Dad I am. Oh, I have been very foolish. Thank you so much for letting me talk to you. I'm quite all right now. I suppose I just needed someone to talk to. I can't think why I've been making such an absolute fool of myself. I'm glad you feel better. 
I must be going back to my own compartment now. Perhaps we shall meet at dinner. Yes, perhaps we shall. Dinner, madame? This way, please. I was looking for the lady whose table I shared at lunchtime. Oh, she is dining in her compartment, madame. A dinner basket was ordered at the Gare de Lyon. Oh, thank you. If you would be so good as to share the table of this gentleman. Yes, of course. Uh, good evening, madame. Good evening. Ah, I see that you have taken the precaution of bringing a detective story with you. I was not certain whether I should be dining alone. And you wish to guard against boredom. <laughs> you are fond of such things? They amuse me. Oh, they have a good sale always, so I am told. Now, why, why, why do you think that should be, mademoiselle? I ask you as a student of human nature. Perhaps they give one the impression of leading an exciting life. Ah, yes, there is something in that. Of course, one knows that such things don't really happen. Oh, sometimes they do, mademoiselle, sometimes. They have, after all, happened to me. Really? And someday they may even happen to you. It is all chance. I don't think it is likely. Nothing of that kind ever happens to me. But would you like to? Oh. <laughs> it is my fancy, perhaps, but I think that you have a yearning in you for interesting happenings. <laughs> and all through my life I observed one thing, what one wants, one gets. Who knows? You may get more than you bargain for. <laughs> <laughs> I can't escape. the Savoy, the man who was buying the ticket for the blue train in Cook's. And he's going into the compartment of the American lady. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. 
You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.